talk to you a little bit about worship, and since uh, it was a great time of worship, this is this will be a lot easier. Um, but I'm going to talk to you a little bit about So if you go through E220, if you've been through any of our um, next steps in our church, you go through E220, there's four steps there you can go through. And so if you've been through this, you're going to hear some of this, but I'm going to break it down from the heart of why we do what we do and why we value worship so much. So in our weekends, our primary focus, this is the most influential time that we have. And what I mean by that is not for us, but in the ways to influence people for God. Okay, not because of the preaching or the singing or the, the stuff we do with kids or youth or anything else. That's not what I'm talking about. It's the greatest opportunity that we have as a church to reach people. The largest number of people come on a Sunday morning. I think that's pretty obvious everywhere you go. And so for us, on the weekends, our goal is this, that we want to have an encounter with God through worship. You may be thinking, what's an encounter? Maybe you watched that movie, that old movie, Close to Encounter, you know, whatever, the third kind or whatever. It ain't like that. It ain't none of that stuff, Okay. But the word encounter is a unique word. It simply means that to, you, you, when you have an encounter with something, you become aware of what you just encountered. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying, right? It's not the same as, oh, I saw something. I was driving down the road. Heather and I were driving. Last night she left her car over here. We drove up. Parking lot picked up her car. As we driving by, we saw a rabbit eating clover in front of the lawn. Not really didn't make a whole lot of difference in my life. There's rabbits everywhere. We got them on our farm. They kind of get in the way, to be honest with you. You know, I, the rabbit didn't go, I go oh, it's, it's a rabbit, <laughs> baby. I mean, I did say, look, the rabbit. But it's not like we stopped and just for hours were like, wow, it's a rabbit. Now, my little baby girl, she might have wanted to get, she's tried to catch the rabbits before. But when you have an encounter with something, it's totally different than you seeing something. So years ago when I did... Uh, mechanical work and construction, I did HVAC and different things like that. So in our trade, you're required uh, to learn three different areas of, of, of trades, okay? You can't just focus on one because you're, you have a mix of everything. You have to know about plumbing. You have to understand about mechanical. You have to also understand about electricity. You can't just go in there with one. You've got to have a mix of all. And so your test, you go through this, you know, different things like that. And <clears throat> you want to study because electricity is, like, you can mess up plumbing when it comes to just the water part of stuff, and it'd be a mess and it's nasty, but you really don't want to mess up the gas side of plumbing. It, it could be bad. And you really don't want to mess up the electrical side of things. It could really be bad. So one time we were working on this house. This house, I, don't, I can't remember the place or, or why exactly, but I, I, I was given the task. My job was to connect the outside, the units that are outside. And so the electricians had already, um, they had already terminated all the wiring and things like that. It was pulled from the break or the panels outside. We didn't have to do that. Usually we did. But this is one of those times where it was just wonderful. We didn't have to pull wires. It was gravy work. You know what I'm saying? That's what we say when, like, it means it's easy. Like, this is gravy work today, baby. So I'm outside, and we ask the electricians on site, hey, is everything off? Right? Which the electrician said, yes. You have to understand about electricians. Now, we do electrical work, so I'm not picking, but you understand something. If you ask an electrician twice, is the electricity off, it's almost offensive. Because it's like, what do you think I'm... I'm going to leave the electricity on. I'm going to shock you. Call, man. you got to trust me. I'm an electrician. So it's kind of one of those kind of deals. You don't really ask twice. It's just an unknown thing, right? So I did ask twice, but the guy was like, it's off. Okay, okay, okay. So I go outside for the next 10 minutes. I'm working on this. I had pulled the electrical line. This is turned 20 volts. It's not 110. If you've ever been electrocuted before um, by the stuff in the sockets on the side of the wall, it gives you a little buzz. It's not that big a deal. Wake you up in the morning. It's like a cup of coffee. We kind of cut up. Let's say that. It's not true. Don't. If you've... You know, you got to be really careful when you say things. And understand. I'm just kidding about that, okay? But this is turned 20 volts, so it's, um, uh, it, it's not twice the punch. That, that's not the way it works. It's, 
It's bad. It's bad juju. You don't want to mess with this stuff, okay? So I'm, I've pulled the wires. I've run the weather tight conduit through there. I've got this line the whole time I'm working with. Terminated fittings. Got it to the disconnect. This is a switch outside. Turns it on and off. I'll tell you unnecessary details just so you know how long I'm working, right? I've pulled the line out. I've got excess of, I don't know, three feet because they pulled extra. And I'm ready to cut the line. So I don't buy cheap tools. And so I know that's not to brag, but I'm just telling you, when you work electricity, you don't want something from Walmart. Um, so I had Klein tools, thank God. And so I got a set of lineman's pliers, and I'm cutting into this line. It's 220 volts. Power's off. Brother man told me it's off twice and got mad. I mean, like I wanted to take the end of that wire and just beat him. Like, you know what I'm saying? I was so mad. And I didn't get shocked, but it knocked a plug out the side of my, these are forged steel it knocked a plug out of the side of my lineman's pliers, about a little bit bigger than the size of a BB, blew the whole side of it out. Now, if I had touched that, do you understand how much damage that would do to flesh? <laughs> I had an encounter. <laughs> now you get where I'm going, right? That changed my life going forward. Never again did I trust an electrician to tell me the electricity was off. I went and made sure that it was locked out, tagged myself. I trust anybody else anymore with that stuff. I mean, our guys, we work together. We trust each other because we, we knew, but never again. I had an encounter with something that was stronger than I was that made me change my life, and it was never the same again with electricity. Now, I always check, no matter what, even if I do it myself, I check with a multimeter to make sure it's still off. It changed my approach that much. It is possible you're in a room. I'm building up to something here, but you're in a room. You're surrounded with electricity right now. And you think because you can see the lights, that's showing you the electricity. That is not. That is minimal electricity. We have three phase panels in the back. The mechanical room's that way. There's enough power in this thing that I don't know what all it could do, but I know it's a lot of electricity. And it's constantly present. Yet most people do not know because you can't feel it, you can't taste it, you can't smell it. This is burning, but even then that's the wires, it's not the electricity. You can't taste it, you can't smell it. Watch this, you can't see it. Well, I see the lights. No, 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 no. Because if the light's blown, there could still be power on the circuit. You can't see electricity. Unless it arcs and flashes, but right now, just in its present form, it's here and you don't really know it's here. In the same way, you can be in the presence of the Lord and not be aware of it. Jacob had a dream, and as he was dreaming, he, he was awakened after his dream, and he says, whoa, I was here at this place. And he says in Genesis, he says, I awakened from my sleep. And he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And watch this. I wasn't even aware of it. He was asleep the whole time God gave him a vision. So God, he's kind of letting him know that God was there before you got there, Jacob, and I did not know he was there. And watch this. Here comes the, the encounter was so strong, he now has reverence. But I was also afraid, and I said, what an awesome place this is. It's none other than the house of God, the very gateway, the access to heaven. It changed him so much, he named that place Bethel. The place of God, the house of God. <laughs> that electricity changed me so much. I have so much more respect. I'm not afraid of it because it does great things for me. I'm not scared of it. Not, not at all. I have respect for it. 
I have reverence for it. I don't just let anybody tell me what it will and what it won't do. I have my own understanding of electricity because I have had an encounter with electricity. And far too many people are relying on information from other people on their relationship with God and trying to tell them how they should have a relationship with God. And they've never had an encounter themselves with a God that wakes you up and you say, surely the Lord was in this place. I didn't even know it. It changes you. You understand that God has many houses when people get together right now. There's houses everywhere of worship right now, all over the states, all over the country, the world, everywhere. There's houses of worship right now. And this is the main thing that's so important. In Deuteronomy, the Bible says this, that rather you ought to seek the Lord your God at the place of worship that he himself will choose from among the tribes. Here's the one thing I know about God. He's always present. His presence is here, whether you realize it or not. Here's one reason why sometimes people don't understand that God's there is because they're in the wrong house. Just being honest. We're in a culture. You live in a city. Let's just break it down. We'll be real, right? Let's be real, okay? You're in a city. The culture of this city says go where you want to go because you like it the way you like it. It's like Burger King, baby. Lettuce, pickle, onions, please. Whatever you want, we'll make it your way, whatever. Church isn't like that. It's not like that at all. I was talking to one of our elders one time, Terry and Theta, and if you know Terry, he's a super, super great guy. He, when I first took the church, uh, I went to him. I said, hey, man, I need some advice. Uh, you plan on sticking around? Because, you know, it was like a massive exodus. And so I was like, hey, you going to? I felt like Jesus, you know, you going to? Like, you know, that's kind of what I felt like. And so he's like, he looks at me, and after playing a big joke, I'll tell you later about the joke, because it wasn't funny at the time, but now we laugh. He was really, he was really kind of, his little humor is so dry, it's not funny until later, you know what I mean? So I laughed later, but at, front, at the front of it, I was going, it ain't funny, man. Like, you know, but I'll tell you about that part later. But he looks at me and says, um, why would I leave? I said, well, I mean, I'm taking over, hadn't you heard? And, you know, kind of thing. He's like, but why would I leave? I don't know. That ask, I'm wondering why other people are leaving. I'm not just asking, will you be here? I need some help. And he looks at me and says, we came here because God told us to come here. We'll leave when God tells us to leave. I, I, that blew me away. Because I've heard people say, I'm going to leave because I don't like what you said. But the problem with that is this. What if it wasn't the guy speaking? What if that was God speaking through the person preaching? that we didn't like. That's why you got to have your own Bethel. You got to go to the place, listen to this, you seek the Lord your God at the place of worship he himself will choose. The place where he says, this is your home. How do you know it's your home? You just have this, either he tells you, he speaks, it, confirms it with the word, he puts in your heart, this is my house. This is my family. Like, it's my family. Like, I love this church. I do, I love this church. I love the people in church. I may or may not even know you, but I love you. You, you may not think that sometimes, but I do. I love you, man. If you ask me a question, I'll be honest with you. That's what love does. Love doesn't hide things. It doesn't skirt the issue. It doesn't say, oh, you're okay. No, if, if you really see something, you say, and you ask the question, hey, is this cool? And it's not cool. You say, no, it's not cool. But that's real love. If you want fake love, listen to some guy tell you, no, you're fine. You're good. Everything's great. You're a jerk to your wife, but do it anyway. It's okay. You know, I mean, it's fine. You, Jesus loves you. Oh, give me a break. It makes me to vomit in my mouth. You know what I'm saying? It's ridiculous. Some things aren't okay, you know? And real love, what? It'll tell you the truth. And you try to say it the best way you can, but truth's truth. But if it's your house, you're willing to hear it, and you'll receive it, and you'll grow through it. I did that for years, man. 
He goes on to say this. This is the place where my name will be honored. He says, verse 6, there you bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, sacred offerings, your offerings, 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 sacrifices, all kind of stuff, right? A bunch of animals that's going to get killed, you know. Like if it had been back in that day, that rabbit would have been on the altar today. You know what I'm saying? But we don't do that now. So you're not bringing animals. Aren't you glad? Thank God you have to bring animals. I mean, it would be so much more work, but so loud. And you know, all that stuff. And I'm like, ah, it's like a farmyard, you know. And then the smell of livestock. If you've never lived on a farm, you have no idea what you're missing. You know, you need to go sit up by a cattle farm where they bring in chicken poop and uh, just really see the benefits of being right beside a cattle farm. It's glorious. I mean, it's glorious. You miss all of that right now. You don't do any of that because of Jesus. However, there's some things that carried over in the New Testament. We don't have time to get into today, but tithes and offerings, it's old and new. It's all in the New Testament. There's no way you can fuel the church forward without sending people out, resources. We all know that. I'm not getting into that today. But there is a sacrifice that did carry over from the Old Testament to the New. And this morning, many of you brought your sacrifices with you. But some of you might not have realized, and maybe you left it at home. But when you come to the place where the Lord has said, this is your house, worship, this is your place. It's your place. This is your home. If he says that to you, and this is your home, that means you've got to stick through something. This is your home. Watch this. You're supposed to bring a sacrifice to the place of worship. Now, if you realize it or not, I'm not talking about money right now either. You're supposed to bring an offering, a sacrifice before or when you get to this house of worship. You say, well, I thought all those sacrifices were done away with. Mm-mm-mm. The methodology was done away with. The principle behind it still carries over. Let me just give you the sacrifice we're supposed to bring every time we gather Hebrews 13.15 says, Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, where's the sacrifice? It's right here. The fruit of your lips that give thanks to his name. Every time we gather, watch this. This is a sacrifice. Sometimes I don't feel like giving it. Let's just be honest. You don't have to raise your hand, do you? Sometimes I have a rough week. I don't feel like singing praises to God because my week hasn't felt like a praiseworthy week. I'll just be honest with you. Sometimes it doesn't feel like God was helping out a whole lot. I feel like it's more Jody than it was God. I look back and say, hey, was there more people in need this week? What was up? I mean, like, you know, I feel a little shortchanged this week. Am I the only one that sometimes feels, yeah, I do. And so I might be over here sometimes and it takes a song, you know, and I'm just kind of mouthing the words, like, just kind of, you know, and I love music, so I can kind of get with the rhythm a little bit and kind of do that kind of thing. And then by the second song, you know, maybe by the third, usually midway through somewhere, sometimes sooner. Most of the time, though, it clicks. Why are you here? Is this week really about you? No. This is about him. And I've had an encounter with God. If I want to have another encounter with God, if I want to hear from him, I'm going to have to put aside what I didn't get this week and worship him whether my week was good or whether it wasn't good. It's a sacrifice because it's a sacrifice. If it was not a sacrifice, he would have called it something different. The reason it's called a sacrifice is because it's not fun to give. If you had 100 sheep and every other time you had to go to church, you had to bring floppy with you, you know? Here he comes on in there, you're killing off the sheep every time you go to church. I mean, 
you kind of, that kind of, like, man, there went another one. You know? It's a sacrifice. It wasn't intended for it to always be fun for you. But God receives our praise as a sacrifice. And it is not only just that. We couple that with prayer. We couple that with his word. And there's a mixture in there. And the Bible talks about this, that between those three areas right there, continuing throughout the scripture, that, man, when you pray, when you worship, it's like incense that goes up before heaven. And all of us together, you can do your Bible study at home and God will speak to you. Absolutely. There's something not coming together there like this. And each one of us are bringing our sacrifices and we worship God. It does something. So God wants to have an encounter with you every week, corporately, every week with each one of us. He wants to speak to you. He wants to meet with you here. So next is 25, verse 21. This is what we talk about. We get into E220. <clears throat> In the area of encounter, why it matters so much for us to worship God. It is not singing. It is not the band. Oh, ladies, good today. It, I don't give a rip if they're good or not. I don't care if they're good or not. I mean, we care, but it's better that you are good. You know what I'm saying? But it, it makes it easier to worship. <laughs> you know. But the point is, it's not them. I do not care whether or not Ricky plays blindfolded and is great, or he opens his eyes and plays and is great. I don't care. Because it's not about that. Because it's not about singing. It's about worship. That's what it's about. And so Exodus says this, You shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony for which I will give unto you. Testimony was the Ten Commandments. There was two other things in there, golden jar of manna, and there was also Aaron's rod that budded. He says, and watch this, verse 22. There, where's there? Well, for you, it's the house of worship. It's the place where he said, I will make my name known. It's the place, it's your Bethel. If this is your Bethel, then this is the place. And there I will, watch this, meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are upon the ark of the testimony, here is the one I love so much, I will speak to you. Man, don't you love that? Like, it's just not a meeting. He's also wanting to do some speaking. You're here today. You didn't just come to church. I hope you catch this here. You're not here today just to come to church. You're here to meet with God. And you're here not to do all the speaking. How many times do we do that, right? All week long, I'm speaking to God. <laughs> you know, like, I got this going on, that going on, that going on, this, 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 this. I wish, you know, you take five, I'll take five. We'll double team this kind of thing, whatever. Like, God, can you help me out with this? We're always talking about what we need, what we want, what we desire. Why don't you fix this? We give him all kinds of lists. How often do we stop and say, okay, your turn. What would you like to say, Lord? Because contrary to what we think, he wants to speak too. Like, he's probably sometimes just waiting like, we just keep, and by the way, this, he was like, I want to answer the first thing. Stop. Hold on. You know, like time out. I mean, I'm God, but that's, you got, you're maxing me out. Time out. I got something to say. But we sometimes just ignore the fact he wants to speak. He says, I'll give you all that I want to command you for the sons of Israel. The word meet actually means the word appointment. Specifically, it means a scheduled appointment. Now, you know how scheduled appointments work. You've been to the doctor, right? I got some doctor friends, man. They're great. 
But them rascals are busy, you know. And when you schedule an appointment with a doctor, you best not miss it. You better be like, if you can't walk, you better call an ambulance to get there because you will not get another appointment for three more months. Isn't that true? You don't call the doctor and say, oh, I just don't feel like, you know, making it today. Because you know if you need to be there three months later, you're not going to get another one. Like, it's just they're really booked. You don't say, well, you know, it's just one of them days. You know, whatever. I just, I'll catch you next week, doc. Hey, that ain't going to happen because it's a scheduled appointment, right? Watch this. God has scheduled an appointment with every one of you every week at, at your, whatever your Bethel, wherever your house of worship is, that's where he's at. He's ready to meet with you every corporately, every single week. Now, you can have Bible study every single day, and he'll meet with you there too. It's true. It's different when the church comes together. It's always been different in the Bible in the Old Testament. It's always been different in the New Testament. There's something about corporate people. Jesus said, when two or three of you get together in my name, there I am in the midst of you. He didn't say, when you get together for your Bible study, I'll be there, and that's all you need. He says, you come together, you assemble together, you worship together. A scheduled appointment, a time where he's there waiting. Before you got here today, I know we like to say, well, we brought God with us. Theologically, if you want to break that all down, we could go there. But theologically, if you want to get to the vastness of who God really is, I'm sorry. You can't hold him. We have him in us, yes. But theologically, if you really want to look at who he really is based on Scripture, You have him, yes, and you have the Holy Spirit. But there's a reason why he says when you come together, we are the body of Christ. You ain't little Jesus, I hate to tell you. Y'all got what I'm saying, right? We love to think that we are, but we ain't little Jesus. You you got a part of the Holy Spirit's gifts and talents, but we come together and we make up the body. He's the head. But God is so much bigger than what we think. We were singing worship earlier about how that when he speaks, Galaxies are formed. Animals take their breath. All because God said in Genesis, light be. And we think we're so smart, and we just keep discovering more planets. We're like, where'd that one come from? I think sometimes God's just going like, wow, they got a new telescope. Galaxies. Times 10. Like we find a new species of fish or something. Like, oh, Whoa, look what we found. And I was like, oh, they found that. See if they find those. Just for the fun of it, you know. He is so much bigger than what we give him credit for. And I've found that here's a couple of things I'm going to share you today. I've got, and these will go fast, but I've just got a couple of numbers I'm going to give you that are some points here, okay. But I've found that we miss appointments with God for only a few reasons. So God wants to meet with you, and he wants to speak with you. And here's what I found out. Most of us want to get to the speaking part before we get to the meeting part. God, help me with this. Give me my answer. Give me this. Give me this. But he wants to meet with us. Most of us are afraid to meet with God because we think about him like electricity. We don't know what it's going to I mean, we, just, we don't, can't control it, don't know what to do with it. It's just foreign to us kind of thing. But in the Old Testament, in the Ark of the Covenant, so quickly, just, just hear me out on this. I will meet with you there, where? Above. And I will put within these three things, the Ten Commandments, the the golden jar of manna, and and Aaron's bud. Most of the time, people want to understand, they want to go, they want to know about God's authority and his power, represent Aaron's rod that budded. 
they want to understand his provision. God, help me in the jar of manna. Help me, God, provide for me. Do this for me, God. I want to do this. It's like a genie in a bottle. They want that. They want to know about all of God's, his understandings, his ways, and his, his ways of doing things. So there's ten commandments, his principles. They want to know all the, give me five things to make my life better. That's why ten books would make a better you and work so well. Because we all want these, all these little things. But we want all that that's inside the ark without getting to what's on top of the ark. And if you're not willing to understand the power of the ability to meet with God first, you'll always be trying to get inside the ark, and you're not able to get in there without something else first. And that is the blood of Jesus. You can't handle what's inside unless you can handle a meeting with him first. And I found out this. Most of the time, why we don't want to keep our appointments with God. And what I mean by that is you can be present and not be aware that he's here. Go through the motions. Have a religious experience. Clap when everybody else claps. And yet not enter in because why? There's something keeping you from engaging with God and having a meeting with him. And there's a couple reasons why. Number one, a couple reasons why we don't want to keep appointments with God, okay? Now, I mean, not physically. I'm talking about a spiritual connection right here. You didn't know about the appointment. I hate it when that happens, don't you? Like, you didn't know about it, and you're like, I didn't know. I feel like such an idiot. Well, I told you about it. I know, but like, I uh, didn't write it down or something. I hate when that happens. I feel so stupid, right? But watch this. You knew now. You might not have known God wants to meet with you before, but now you know. I feel like G.I. Joe, and knowing's half the battle. You know, you, you know now he wants to meet with you. So it's no longer, a, I didn't know he wanted to meet with me. I'm telling you right now, as a, as, a, as a minister of the gospel, God wants to meet with you. This isn't a religious thing. He wants to meet with you. Number two, maybe you misunderstood the appointment. Maybe you thought, well, you know, I'll go to church, but I just don't know, kind of hesitant getting there too close because God, you know, and what I've done, done wrong, this, that, and the other. Um, listen, Hebrews 10, 18. <clears throat> now, where there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer any offering for sin. I want you to hear me very carefully. There are no offerings for sin any longer. None. I don't know if you've thought about this before, but if you misunderstand how God wants to meet with you, if you're afraid of God, if you feel like, I don't know, it's like that electricity, I don't know what's going to happen kind of thing, understand there are no other offerings being given for sin. None. Let it sink in for a moment. When Jesus gave his life, that's it. There's not any more offerings. None. Not for sin. You say, well, well what I do, what I do, that, that's the problem. You just answered yourself, that's the problem. You don't do, you receive. In the Old Testament, they understood this way better than we do. They brought those calves and those bulls and those lambs and everything that and when they sinned and did something wrong, they understood that right there is the exchange. That blood on that mercy seat represents, I'm clear. I'm free for another year, baby. I'm good. And, and they took advantage of a lot of that stuff. How much more then has the blood of Christ in the mercy seat in heaven cleansed? There's no longer any offering for sin. So there is no hindrance to meet with God now. No matter what you think you've done in your past or done wrong, I'm telling you, there's no other hindrance before meeting with God. But like Haley preached last week, which I thought was a fantastic message. Everybody who's spoken the last couple of weeks has been great. And 
The third thing, though, is maybe you're ignoring the appointment. She talked about a little bit about this, but let me give you two things on this. Either A, it's guilt. Why would you ignore the appointment with God? I'm, I feel guilty. It means you can change, but you refuse to. I mean, I know, I'm just trying to be real with you this morning. Come on, love me. Don't get mad at me right now. It's getting good now. <clears throat> you can change, but refuse to. Have you ever been? I've been there. Haley shared some things personal that she's talking about. I thought that was so, like, for her, I, I thought, man, I thought, wow, that's, that's big to share like that. We've all done that. There's been things I don't want to change. I don't want to give that up, God. <clears throat> but guilt says you can change, but you refuse to. Or watch this, there's shame. You want to change, but you don't know how. You want to change, but you don't know how. I find those are the two areas where it causes us to ignore this appointment with God. We come to church and because I feel guilty, I won't connect with him. Or it's shame, I won't connect with him. One of the two. But Jesus has made a way to fix both. He says in Hebrews 10, 19, and so, dear brothers and sisters, <clears throat> watch this. We can now enter boldly into heaven's most holy place. Most holy place. Heaven's most holy place. This is not the temple if you read about in the Old Testament. That was the holy place. The most holy place in reference to then was on the earth. He's talking about heavenly temples now. He's saying you can enter right now into that most holy place because of why? The blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened up a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's what? House. That's what. Now, do you think about it? Over his Bethel, if you will, that house of God. This is that house of God, and Jesus is the head. Not me, I'm just a pastor. He's the head over his church. And since he's the great high priest over his house, he's the one that's saying, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere, sincere hearts, fully trusting him. That means he can handle the guilt and he can handle the shame. And he says, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. It means you have the power through Christ. He can change you. He can change me if I want him to. There's a big if right there. If I want him to. If I want him to change, he can change me. And watch this. He also says this, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. That takes care of the shame when I tell people this, when we, people struggle through things, I've taken people to play golf. I've taken people to go eat. I've, numerous things I've done, and people will share with me, but you don't understand what I'm dealing with right now. And I say, listen, I get it. I understand. It's bad. Sounds bad. Sounds rough. Sounds rough. You made a big mistake there. It's, you know, top ten. Let's give them that, okay? It's a bad one. Here's what I say, though. What good is it going to do, though, for you? to continue to just sit there and suffer through this, you'd be better off putting Jesus first and let him take care of this. You can't put this first and then let Jesus take care of it. You've got to put Jesus first and everything else. That's why the kingdom says, seek me first and the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Seek God first, and guess what? The shame takes care of itself. It's just the reality. You can't focus on the shame and ever get anywhere with God. Jesus already paid for everything. So when we come to worship, these are the areas that I want you to hear right here, just very briefly. 
we come together, number one, to celebrate what God's doing. In Psalms, it says this. <clears throat> Psalm 21, verse 13, it says, Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. Watch this. Everybody say it out loud. We will. Okay, let's say it one more time to make sure we all know that it's up there. We will sing. On key or off key, doesn't matter. We're going to sing. That's why we amplify the music. So if you're off key, it won't matter. No one's going to hear you anyway, okay? If you get louder than they do, we'll just, we'll crank it up again. We got earplugs. If it's too loud, that's why we put earplugs out there, okay? I just like loud music. I'm sorry. It's just sometimes, to me, I get distracted so easily. And for me, if I hear these guys, I don't hear everybody else around me, okay? That's just me. Maybe you're not like that. God bless you if you're not. But for me, I'm like, squirrel, rabbit, there, no, whatever. It just... I need, I need as much focus as I can get, okay? But we will sing. It's, hitting, it's not worship if it's this. There you go. Self-explanatory, right? The idea of worship is surely the Lord is in this place. I didn't know it. Watch this. If I don't know he's here, I'm still going to sing. I'm still going to sing. If they say clap, man, if I don't know how to keep a beat, I'll clap quiet until I figure it out. All right, they on two and three. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to try again. Maybe I'll do my feet. All right. I got that. Whatever you got to do, right? If they say clap, you figure it out. Let's sing. We're going to sing. Maybe you're not a shouter. That's fine. You don't, if it's a quiet moment, we're not going to be shouting anyway. But if they say, hey, come on, let's praise God, it's okay. Praise God, Right? My voice is kind of cracky right now, so I can't do a whole lot of that. So I'm kind of a little bit quieter. I don't like to be. I'd rather sing louder. But, you know, you don't have to. You understand what I'm saying. Just follow these guys. If they're going like, hey, come on, church, that's what they're saying is God's here. Let's don't forget that. They're not trying to get you to sing for them. They're saying, hey, come on, guys. God's here. Let's have an encounter with God. Let him, let's meet with him so he can speak to us. That's the whole point of why we're here. The next thing is this. Here comes the speaking part. Number two is inspiration. So Matthew 16, 17 says, And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. Simon Peter did not have the answer that was a theological answer he studied in school. It was a God-given, God-breathed answer. And if you've ever been in church before, and this is what I was going to say now, which I've already done it at the first. I'm not getting into too deep. But you ever in church and a guy was talking or a gal was talking, and they're just talking, and what they say, and you go, how did they know that I had that question? Some of the best times in church I ever had was when I first started following God because I had all kinds of questions about the Bible, and I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I wasn't in a Bible college class or anything. I didn't know anything. All I could do was people told me to read the Gospel of John, so I started there, and I got confused in that. So I was like, man, I need some help. And I had questions. I'd be like, I don't understand that. And then the next week, the pastor would say something. Just briefly. It didn't have to be a lot. Just a little bit. And I went, oh, how do you know? That's my question. How do you know? And it happened a week after. And another week, I'd go to a small group or somebody would meet me and say, say this. It was, it was inspiration. That's why we come here. And so there's God-breathed moments where maybe it's me, maybe it's an elder, maybe it's a worship leader, whoever. But they do something. Maybe they sing a song. I didn't know. There was, I didn't even look at the worship set today. I had planned on preaching on patience. To be honest with you, I was going to preach on patience this week. 
that was my message. But the more I studied it, and after hearing my team, I, I shared this with my team on Tuesday. We had an all-staff meeting and vision time and stuff, and my team was like, you should, you should share this. Like, we, this would be good to share again. And I thought, well, maybe I should because my patience sermon is not working anyway. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it got so bad that I was actually listening to Guns N' Roses sing patience. I was going... I thought, hey, maybe this would help. You know, I had nothing on it. I thought, man, God, what are you trying to say here? God wants to bring inspiration. Inspiration. He doesn't want you just to meet with him. He wants to speak to you. And the third thing he wants to give you is some preparation, okay? There's all stuff in each of 20. Maybe you've already heard this before. Preparation. What does that mean, Pastor? It means simply this. In Ephesians 4, we are here for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. That's what the ministry is for to build, to equip the church, to prepare you for going out next week. So next while, when you go to your house, you look at those sockets. If you didn't get anything else today, you know, don't. That's why your parents always told you, don't stick stuff in the sockets. At least that, you got that out of it, right? Preparation. Here to equip saints for the work of service. And the last thing is this, is salvation. We don't ever want to leave a church service without giving an opportunity for people to come to Christ. Never. Never. And, and I'm not worried about, you know, should or should we not? Uh, what's popular, what's not popular? It doesn't matter about that. I don't want to ever stand before God and he say, well, why didn't you give an opportunity for people to come to Christ? Well, I mean, it was getting late in the day and it was hot and that's why. And so that person I was speaking to was there. In Romans it says this, we'll put it on the screen for you. Romans 10, 13, anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. So we do this in church. Why? Have an encounter with God. He wants to meet with you, and he wants to speak with you. So I want you to bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. If you're here and you say, hey, Pastor Jody, so I, I'm here, and I don't, know, I don't know how well I know Christ. Maybe you're here, and... There might be a few of you in here, I don't know, but I'm thinking you may have grown up in this city and because it's a religious act, it's what people do in Rome, everybody goes to church kind of thing. Maybe you're here today and you're not really saved, but you think you are just because you've been going to church all your life. And maybe you've never really called upon the name of the Lord. And you say, well, Pastor, what would that look like? It would be simply praying a prayer. And you're surrendering your life to Jesus saying, I give you everything. You can have my life, whatever you want. So right now, that's what we're going to do. You're here and you say, hey, Pastor, I want to pray that prayer. I want you to take a moment. The whole church right now, we're going to pray together. Okay? And I want you to repeat these words after me with everybody in this room. You say, dear Jesus, I come before you. And I give you my life today. I ask you to forgive me. To save me. Dear Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. I will serve you and commit to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.